got a little crazy, you got a little hazy And the cops said there's something wrong here Oh, here kitty, kitty oh, Mama's got some treats for you Oh, here kitty, kitty You can't find this taste in the zoo Well, 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 Kittens for the final episode of our Tiger King Con series. We're going to wrap up the last couple episodes. Um, and really, you know, I think one observation of any of this little endeavor I had and maybe how we spaced this out was how quickly we'd maybe all be over Tiger King through this and how quickly we all kind of burned through it. Um, I... Uh, I think as a, a society, and especially where we're at, we just kind of, and what we'll talk about in this episode is just kind of snorted it up real quick, and this, the high of it is, is sort of dwindling, um, and it's probably true with some of these episodes, but um, of course we have to have Ultra here to talk about all these things, but Ultra, what do you think about that, of the just way we've gone through this Tiger King craze? It seems like... <laughs> You know, it, when you actually look at the calendar, it hasn't been that long since this was released and we've been going through this. But in general, like the feelings around it, it's like we're we're on the end of it. No, we um, <laughs> time is a weird thing right now. Yeah, um, I thought I thought people would be kind of spacing coming to this and everything. But it was literally like, no, nah, Tiger King's out. Everyone needs to watch it, and like within the first two weeks of it being released, I feel like everyone that was going to watch it watched it. Oh, I mean, I've talked with you about this, but I am weird in that binging like one episode or one show start to finish or multiple seasons start to finish, not really my thing. Like I'm, I'm bouncing between stuff. Um, I'm, I'm not that I'm not like watching things in like in succession, or I'm not. I'm, I'll sink some time into watching TV. Don't get me wrong, but I bounce around. But I think in general, people are like, all right, episode one, like let's get to episode seven or nine or ten or whatever mm-hmm. it is as soon as possible. And hey, I, it's not my thing, but that's clearly what people did with Tiger King because it seemed like the second that like you told me about it. And then, boom, everyone in the, in the United States had seen it. Everyone, yeah. everyone that has a Netflix account had seen it. Yeah. It was, uh, I think it's, like, interesting, because I, I will say about this whole thing, and we've talked about it a little bit, but, like, they did do a really good job, I think, of ending each episode on a reason to, like, make you watch the next one and watch the next one. Um, even the second time through, like, you know, there's things they tease at the end that then, like, you know, they go into in this, the next episode. Um, whether it's about Jeff Lowe, whether it's about Carol killing her husband, you know, they give you little things that make you want to click on the next one. Um, but, like, I would say, you know, and I, I definitely catch myself a lot binging stuff. I mean, this was, you know, something I finished within a 18 hours, I think, of it being released. Um, but like a show like Ozarks, which I really enjoy, and like as like I watch, you know, as they do more and more of it, I just come away with it being like, this is, might be one of my favorite shows ever. Like, I really, really like that show. But like, I found myself with that really spacing it out. Um, but I think too, like I, I'm not a person that like, you know, when it's more drama, docu series. The only reason I rewatched this was to do this pod, but. You know, if it's like, you know, you you doing Watchmen, you finishing that. Like, I was more, you know, I'm definitely probably going to at some point here do a rewatch of Watchmen. And, like, I will rewatch a show a second time, third time maybe, too, um, where I think some people will consume something, be done, and then move on. I have a tougher time as far as rewatchability goes. Dramas, dramas are less rewatchable to me. Um is that how you feel too? Like comedies nah. and like oh, so you'll just like clear. Well, obviously you're talking about rewatching Watchmen, so you're you're all. I mean, I've rewatched The Wire like three times. I've rewatched done like some Breaking Bad rewatches. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say too. Um, I'm doing a rewatch of. I mean, a lot of the times it dep- like for me it will be as if someone I'm like watching it with or 
like Kirsten hasn't seen The Sopranos, so we're rewatching that. I've wanted to re- kind of go through it because I think there's there is something to be said though when you consume something really fast and you go back and you you know do for me at least it's like well I burned through this or I did watch this all, but going back and rewatching it again and with some time in between, it's like I think I you pick up on little things, different things, or you know, you just have a different perspective on it now seeing stuff, and you're like, oh, wow, like, that's cool. Like, there was this, you know, thing they were hinting to that you just missed. Um, but I think it, maybe what you were getting to, like, comedy-wise, like, yeah, I think, you know, on a more casual basis, yeah, I could throw on an episode of Office or, the Scru- or Scrubs or um, Parks and Rec, stuff like that, you know, Curb, um, any of those I could just throw on you know, a chunk of those and just kind of watch them and not, you know, pick that up, go back having seen it, but it's just like, they're enjoyable. Right. I know what you mean. Anyway, let's, yeah. let's dive into this episode. Yeah. So we're going to get the last three in here. Um, and we've really talked about, but you know, we're, we're confident here with just how we're going to give everything. It's, it's do right coverage here, but, um, you know, so episode five of this really, um, you know, where we, we saw things end was um, Jeff Lowe coming in and taking over the zoo. And I think in this fifth episode, they really framed Jeff Lowe as the um, the only thing I can compare it to, um, if you've seen Heavyweights. Um, an, an amazing movie. One of the most, yeah, still, like, incredible movie. Um. But Ben Stiller's character, like, kind of framing him as the new owner who's taking over, making some changes, but it's, you know, for the benefit. But everyone that was at the zoo or, you know, in heavyweights was at the fat camp was like, you know, we liked it how it was. It was Ed's own quirky charm. Uh, So Jeff is definitely gives off, they kind of frame it in those vibes about Jeff. Um, And uh, he, you know, we get introduced, he brings his own people in as, you know, most management changes will. Brings in this guy, Alan Glover, who, um, the early parts in the fifth episode of just, like, why Alan hates Joe, I thought was, like, pretty great. (laughs) And just, like, Joe trying to be boss, and and that's really where this, it goes, is that at this point, Joe is really, you know, been drinking his own Kool-Aid, uh, and has really gotten full of himself, and, you know, a lot of ways, Joe thinks he's bigger and better than the zoo, and that the zoo is him, people come to see Joe, not come to see the tigers, which is quite a, quite a heady play on his part, um, but what were your impressions of, like, kind of those early thing, you know, portions of it ultra with, like, is what we see is, like, they're making some uh, changes, improving stuff. Um, they're adding a pizza cafe in there. Um, and then Jeff Lowe's doing these, um, like, cub. What do you think about, yeah, a couple of things. The pizza restaurant edition in the zoo. And uh, party buses with baby tigers in them. Well, we're fresh off of, you get, in, you get introduced to Jeff and... He is clearly uh, <laughs> the biggest D-bag. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to yeah. describe him. That is that is who he is, and he. Uh, but you know, he's tri- at least fake bankrolling this thing, and I don't think any of these ideas. Well, I think Joe, Joe, or Jeff is definitely putting like money, but like, yeah, where he's getting any of this money, none of it feels legitimate. Right. And he, like, all of these ideas, like, a pizza, so you can get some food while you're at the zoo. Do I think that's a bad idea? No. Do I think it's a bad idea to be using the meat that you got off of the Walmart truck to put on the pizza? Um, I would argue that's a tad questionable and honestly quite disturbing. But then... Like, oh, that part was messed up. <laughs> some of the ideas... Also, with that, because we later... The Thanksgiving thing. But I'm just... While we're on this topic here. Do you think the Walmart meat was used in those Thanksgiving 
meals. That actually didn't really occur to me as an idea. Oh. That was the first thing I was like, I wouldn't fucking eat anything with this place. And like, oh, I was like, there's probably fucking Walmart meat all over that, <laughs> that Thanksgiving spread. Uh, it's certainly possible, but I have a tough time thinking that meat that would be used for Thanksgiving would have been meat that Walmart would be giving away. Because mm. I'm like most most uh, grocery stores are like running out of like turkey and stuff like that around Thanksgiving time. So I have a hard time thinking that they would be like running out prior to Thanksgiving Day. Anyway, like it's makes sense to me. It's like, oh, this is a zoo. You might be there for half the day. You need something to eat. You want to get dinner before you leave. You want to get lunch in the middle of the day. Hey, not a bad idea. Execution? Questionable. But hey. Oh, awful. I'm surprised like, they didn't get any like people actually sick. Party buses with tigers on them. Boss idea. Boss idea. Um... <laughs> I can't. I can't criticize Jeff on that one. That's. I mean, that should have been their whole business model from the start. I I I have some problems with it just because you get some really drunk people around kittens like there's some liability issues like who i don't know it still seems like a a, quite a stupid idea to me but Mm. i wouldn't put it past either of them it's it's not at all surprising to me that that idea came from those two i mean yeah i don't know if it's legal or liability sake but to me it seemed like the best idea that anyone came up with this entire show but no it was just uh quite i mean it's evident right away that it's like i don't clearly jeff has come in at a perfect time for him um and it seems at day one that it's a a perfect thing for joe but uh obviously that does not end up panning out i will also say like the one thing that's kind of tough for me during this part of it is like they really blend the time aspect of all this together like, I truly don't know, like, the order of all of these events happening at this point of between the Carol lawsuit and Jeff coming in uh, and taking over to, like, kind of, you know, a big portion of the, at least the fifth episode is Joe Exotic's dip into running for political offices uh, and, you know, first starting a bid to be the president in 2016 which everyone just knew was a big joke but um you know reason it it kind of gains notoriety is he on last week tonight with john oliver he gets a clip shown on him about that and that gets to his head um and it more or less transitions to him in a couple years you know running for governor of oklahoma but using all this as like a big publicity stunt more or less you know some ways Probably what Donald Trump was originally achieving, but just also actually had political clout and wrote it to becoming the president. But Joe Exotic's doing the big cat lover version of the Donald Trump campaign in an, on a libertarian format, of course. Um, but, you know, through this run, we meet Joe's campaign manager, uh, Josh Dial, who <laughs> is a guy who I, I like. And when it comes to the rankings of this, top five favorite people that I, of this for me. Oh, he's he's a classic heat check guy. So, such a heat really, really not in it much. He is just, every time he comes on screen, you're, you're glued to the television. My, my thing with Josh was he was a strong, he, without him, I think this, the last few episodes really fizzle out um like he added a lot of like so i would say in some parts you know a humanizing component um but like at all points he does like openly just kind of say like joe was an idiot kind of a shithead um but like also i don't think it's like it'd be tough for me to be sold on the fact that he didn't have like a personal connection like feel for joe um and kind of framework something they don't talk about in the doc, but like, you know, one of these fun facts. Um, so when uh, Robert Moore was covering him, so he starts covering him in 2015. 
um, or 2014, 15 after the fire, um, that happens to Joe's studio. But while he was with Joe, he said, you know, there's one night in 2015, Joe and I were walking through Walmart when a portly, uh, bespeckled young man walked up, shook Joe's hand, and thanked Joe for being the only out and proud gay man for many miles, um, around where he was growing up in the area of Oklahoma, um, and then told Joe that he himself was gay and, like, was just like, yo, it's great to see you being so openly gay, uh, being openly gay man in Oklahoma, and that person was Josh Dial, who was a manager at the Walmart that Joe bought guns from, um, so I think there is, like, some sort of, like, personal affection that Josh had towards him of just, like, I don't think he wanted to be Joe Exotic, but I think he just had a certain level of respect. And then it just so happened that Joe was running for political offices and, like, Josh Dial really wanted to run a political campaign, as he says. Um, So just saw this guy as, like, a way to, whether it was, you know, legit, you know, in any which way, I don't think Josh seems like he thought Joe Exotic was going to be elected in any which way, but was just, like, Oh, like, you know, in theory, I can actually do all of these things that I've always wanted to do. And, like, even if it's through this vehicle of this insane person, I still can do these things. Um, and, like, you know, see some of these realities come through. So, like, but, like, you're going to Ultra. Josh, also, Ultimate Heat Check guy. It doesn't happen in the fifth episode, it happens after, but his classic line of just the fuck the feds. Oh, <laughs> How, what does he describe himself as? He's a libertarian, and like so, all of Joe's policies are all Josh Dial's, uh, like things he believes in. The only thing I think Joe Exotic really was like tied into is like, yeah, limited big government laws, and like that fed into him being able to be like, opposed to the big cat laws that like Carol was uh, pushing in Congress. Um, and all that stuff, but, like, everything else was just, like, Joe's only motivation was, like, initially was, like, to build his own brand and, like, build up the park, right? Um, but, like, also, it's kind of funny, because Joshua Dow being a gay libertarian, I think, is, like, he's pretty, you know, he's, <laughs> there's not many people checking off the boxes there, um, when you think of the, the prototypical libertarian type. Um, of person no but you and i you and i are not from the south yeah <laughs> like honest. if you don't like libertarian you know like uh alex jones in probably a lot of ways is is closer to a libertarian than like a republican yeah i would agree with that type stuff but like i mean they're you run into a libertarian you're gonna fucking know you're talking with a libertarian i'll say that much but I respect. I think Josh Dow is my favorite libertarian that I've ever um, <laughs> seen on on screen. Yeah, he's also. I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head who I've heard. I can't think of anyone that I remember them labeling themselves as a libertarian. You want me to do a? All right. So, what do you think about? What did you think about Josh? And what did you think about? Uh, Joe Exotic's political run and the fact that he got like 16% in the Oklahoma governor's race. So the governor race, that was actually, they frame it up for a brief period to make you think that he is like going to win. And obviously, oh, there, go ahead. No, I was like, you, 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 I didn't get that impression. Oh, for a second, I was like, they're making it sound like he's like leading the polls. Maybe gonna win is a little strong, but like he is really pushing. He's like really in in uh, contention here, and um, which didn't end up really being the case. But at the end of the day, like actually impressed me the degree in which he was able to connect with people. Now the presidential bid, completely different. But the big thing that was popping up in my mind is like, so this is a guy. That got has lost a lawsuit, owes a million dollars to Carol Baskin, and he also is struggling to keep up with feeding 
his animals and keeping the zoo afloat. And he had, like, and this ended up being, like, really no money out of his pocket. But he did have his entire, like, studio, alligator, whatever you want to call it, burned down. And he wants to fund a two political campaigns, which seems... I mean, it's very up Joe. We know Joe Exotic well at this point. Like, it well, is up, yeah. it is up his alley. But wow, what what is he thinking? Like, I honestly don't like. Help me understand why he was doing this. Because he had his his sugar daddy, uh, uh, Jeff Well or whatever. You know, Jeff was taking care of his financial problems so he could, you know, play around and, and expand his. Uh, his views and uh go about you know trying to be uh <laughs> trying to be a, a politician um i mean i get you, that but what what was he actually trying to accomplish by doing it did he actually think he was gonna win was he just trying to get was this just i think it was all publicity, publicity. okay yeah i think it was but i think you know because joe's out you know whatever i think he also like was you know, rational enough to think maybe he could win or like, you know, he was just talking to people that were like, oh yeah, I'm going to vote for you. And was like, wow, I'm talking, talking to a lot of people that said they're going to vote for me. I'm, I might have a chance here. I feel like it was sort of, you know, along the line. Um, I have been on to, uh, so you want to hear some famous libertarians ultra? Yeah. Um, so Drew Carey <laughs> apparently is a libertarian uh big boy oh uh joe rogan i would say is like yeah it was a better example than alex jones like joe rogan is probably the person i was trying to think is like exactly the typical libertarian type person um because i guess you know in some ways they do tend to be a little bit more on the social end of things like more liberal policy wise they just want no government like they're just basically you know as little government involvement, like everyone just man, man to man, we're all self-governing ourselves. We're not really, you know, really as as far against big government as possible. If you're you're wondering, um, Mark Cuban evidently identifying on this uh, theadvocates.org slash libertarian celebrities list. Mark Cuban's one. Rob Lowe, uh, who is supposedly in talks to play joe exotic in the netflix yeah uh, i don't think he should uh, i series movie whatever yeah i don't know if i'd buy it uh clint eastwood less surprising that he falls in that um sir mix a lot <laughs> and vince vaughn chicago baby well hey you know so there's some libertarians i guess as according to that website um. Anyway, back to your regularly scheduled Tiger King pod. Um. So, kind of with this, like, you know, how they're framing all of this. I mean, I don't really know what else to say about the jokes. I, you know, the, the real thing is that, like, they do all this, but the fact that he finished third is kind of fucking batshit crazy in the Oklahoma. <laughs> he got like sixteen percent. I thought it was just like insane. Um. And the fact that he got attacked by a tiger while filming one of his political ads, which also offers a key gem of a moment where, you know, they're like, oh, there was cologne or perfume that was on his shoes. like, And he's saying that someone in the park put that on there to, like, basically try to get him attacked and hurt. Is that they staged this. Um, but they get the top three or four best clips of the show <laughs> of carol baskins going and then like them telling obviously carol like oh so joe says like you know someone put cologne or perfume on her <laughs> on his shoes and that was like made these tigers want to attack him she's like oh that wouldn't do that they would just slobber all over that no if you wanted someone to attack you attack them based on the the scent of their shoes you'd use sardine oil <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> duh <laughs> <laughs> a very casual comment from Carol. So it leads us back to our earlier. Is that why I was like, Carol did it? <laughs> if I had done it, the Carol Baskin story. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's it's really something. I, I don't think that she put fish oil on his boots, but the fact that she she's definitely thought about that shit, there's no question about that. Yeah, that's one disappointing thing I'll say about the last three episodes, too. A lot less Carol, um, a lot less of Doc Antle. Really, you know, Doc Antle comes in with some really nice kind of, I think Doc Antle speaks for the audience more than anything in these last three episodes. But Howard ends up doing a lot more talking and some singing in these last three episodes. Um, but kind of as we, we fizzle out with Joe's political run, they do do the big reveal at the end of this episode about how uh, Joe's husbands, John and Travis, are both just knowing, like, not gay. Um, both basically just like Joe Exotic was able to take these two straight guys who were banging girls in the, <laughs> the park. John, uh, who, you know, see without his teeth, was uh, impregnated and ran off with the uh, one of the workers at the park that was, um, like, running the front desk. And, like, yeah, yeah, he got her pregnant. They ran off together. Um, but, like, basically everyone's like, yeah, I mean, Joe was just buying them all the guns and, like, cool four-wheelers and trucks they wanted and just, like, you know, they wanted a party, and Joe was buying all their drugs, and, you know, they just offered him a good time, and they all decided to, yeah, marry a man, and, I mean, you know, I'll say this. Rick James on the Chappelle Show said cocaine's a hell of a drug. I don't know if Rick James himself even had realized the idea that cocaine, meth, weed were... So hell of drugs, you would be married to a man when you were straight. Um, something tells me he doesn't. Um, this is uh, it's it's actually it's very disturbing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like these are two. Yeah, I mean, men. when they're, you frame it of like they're like eighteen, nineteen years old when they're meeting yeah, Joe and getting young, yeah. dependent kids that essentially meet this adult that can kind of give you all that stuff that you want and all you have yeah. to do is just essentially provide some sexual favors and affection yeah um, which like in all their in both their defenses do like yeah when you're 18 19 like yeah if i go some dudes can give me all this shit and i'm like kind of into that like i mean it's a good it's a good case i guess <laughs> i mean i, I the <laughs> argument for it makes sense uh although it seems a little extreme yeah getting it just comes brings me back to the tattoo and like whose idea was it to get property of joe exotic because i i guess john was high as shit when he got that i guess that well that but also i guess i just don't really i'm not i it's not really worth debating if they're if they are if they're straight or if they are bi or what exactly is going on there i think these dudes were definitely just straight and they just like kind of did this because yeah they were manipulated but then also like i think there's a lot of manipulation in it but it was also like you know whatever the case is like just their dependency on drugs at a certain point they're like yeah fuck it yeah but nonetheless very sad but um yeah, I mean, that whole portion of this episode is kind of like a, the, probably the first uh, stiff glass of water you have to, like, you're just like, you know, you're like, holy shit. And, like, as they're introducing all this, though, you're going to get the oh shit moment of, and things I talk about, like, you know, fascinations I had with this show was just the amount of, like, footage they have of all these things, and as people are talking, like, they're really of any documentary series, whatever it is I've ever watched. Like, I've never seen so much just of like the actual things that are being described being shown on camera. Like most documentaries, the stuff they do have, they really build up to that moment where they're like, "Oh, and here it is." Um, 
you know, this, they just have so much because all these people involved in this, more and more we see is just like, couldn't help but filming shit. Um, and in this part, though, like tragically, we actually see um, where they go to with the, with, um, so John, Joe's first husband, or, well, I guess second, if you really do in the tracking, but John, who had the alligators and the first husband uh, that were introduced to, has left Joe, but he has Travis still. Um, and they really talk about Travis's downward spiral, but they, you know, in this incident in the office, they have cameras set up in the office, and it's it's a an incident where Travis is walking in. Josh Dial, who is the campaign manager, is hanging out in the office, messing, and and Travis is messing around with a gun with Josh, and there's some other like blurried face person in this, but um, how the camera's positioned is that Travis is under it, so you don't see Travis, but you can see Josh Dial, and you see uh, his reaction when Travis is messing around with his gun, and in all intents and purposes, accidentally shoots himself and kills himself. Um, and it's a like real tone changer for the episode. Um, for the series. For the series, yeah. I mean, it's just like kind of like, in some ways, yeah, a lot of these are like fictional characters, but like, yeah, man, that was just like a holy shit. But like, for this documentary, at least for me, like one of the things that stuck most, just like watching the footage they show of Josh Dial's reaction and stuff, like, and that's probably part I'm sympathetic to the guy. Like, I could not imagine what that would be like. And just like seeing his physical and what he says about it, it's like, Holy cow, like, that's just, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I honestly don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah. It is, it's tough to watch. Um, you're, you're, I didn't think it was actually going to happen. They're kind of alluding to it and mm. making comments about how he was feeling. Um, certainly did not think that all of a sudden you were going to see something on camera. And then... Uh, yeah. And then it happens, and... I guess, I guess I had the assumption, and my girlfriend Kirsten did too. Like pretty early on, we're like, it's interesting we don't see any like interviews with Travis and just how I've, yeah, you said the tone of how they talk about him. So I just kind of assumed something happened, like either Travis, but I wasn't sure if Travis had died from drug use or. Uh, maybe he himself was in jail, so he couldn't be interviewed, and like that, right. it was building up towards that. But like. What they actually reveal was more shocking than I thought, and that they actually had the footage. So I was like, "Holy crap! Like they've got everything. This is insane. Just as the amount of access and everything that was in this is surreal." Yeah, and um, I agree with that. It, this was really the point that I—I I mean, you already knew by this point that Joe Exotic, um, as entertaining as the dude is. And even though he's kind of, I still think that you're like kind of rooting for him throughout all of this. Um, he played a huge role in that happening. It's messed yeah. up. Yeah, he in like I think it does do. This is the part where I would say I my biggest criticism about him, like what we're gonna get into in this end of this, is like because we're gonna transition into like the court case, federal investigate, all that, but like. I think the documentary really falls short of highlighting that Joe Exotic is a shit bag. Like, because everything after the fact, everything, the, the shitty ass fucking eighth episode they released, which was awful. Mm-hmm. Five minutes into watching that, the fact, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, I don't want to watch this. Like, and I ended up watching it, but like, it was like, it's a waste of time. But, like, everything that people say afterwards, too, like, Joe was an asshole and was just a bad person and, like, did a lot, treated people terribly. Um, and I really think they make him seem a little bit more sympathetic because he was, like, the dumber of the con men of this group and got set up maybe in some ways or another and got put away. But, like, I don't necessarily think it's, like, there's an argument for me, at least, that Joe Exotic shouldn't be in jail for something he was doing. Um, whether it's how he was treating his employees, how he was treating the animals, like whatever, like he's doing enough bad things and how he's manipulating 
Travis and and John, you know, in the way he's just treating people, like, you know, it's kind of in some ways, like, if you believe in karma or not, but that's, like, how best way I could describe it. It, like, delves into do enough bad things, like, yeah, some bad stuff might happen to you, too. Um, and that's what I think where we kind of transition and lose sight of in these last two episodes, potentially, you know, how you viewed it, but, like, that is one, and it's a great point by you, Ultra, it's like, I don't know if they did enough with the Travis death and beyond to, like, really, like, hammer that point in. No, I, I, I agree. Um, I think that in many ways throughout this entire thing, he has, he's built up as, as, um, as the good guy. And he's, yeah. Or do you think it's, like, as much a good guy or just, like, this like crazy, you know, quirky, goofy, yeah, quirky guy, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not that they obviously they show this. They're not staying away from some of these kind of terrible things that he is involved with, but it's it's the way that it's kind of like the good stuff and the funny stuff. They really focus on that and hinge on that, but then the really bad stuff are, tends to be the stuff that is. All right, we're moving past. Plus, yeah, it's they treat him as the reality TV star that they that Rick uh, Kirkham like saw him as. I think, um, and I'd say the last two episodes, I basically described them in like my notes and everything of just like the simple terms of. You know, second Chappelle show reference, but literally when keeping keep it real goes wrong. Um, and uh, we really get the um, what I would also describe of like investigative secret camera work starts just being all that starts piling up here because you know these people didn't film themselves enough, but the filmmakers themselves had to do some work and just like I can't imagine was that overtly and like surprising how no one like questioned if they had cameras on them, but like. The filmmakers of this just sticking cameras in their shirts or whatever and just filming these other conversations. Um, we get into this transition of where Jeff Lowe was arrested for having baby tigers in his Vegas home. Um, and basically him being put in this precedent of you know avoiding any illegal activity. Any more illegal activity to avoid like serving jail time, he was guilty of. Um, and this coming to a head with Joe's political campaign, and where Jeff figures out that J- Joe Exotic was forging his signature, taking like sixty thousand dollars from the zoo to fund his campaign for his uh, freedom, his uh, campaign condoms and posters and all this stuff, and just Joe fucking goes and burns everything up. Um, and gets the fuck out of there <laughs> of the zoo um, because Jeff somehow figured out from a bank teller in the town that Joe Exotic was under federal investigation. Seriously, dude. Like, uh, God. I was just like, I was gonna ask, like, yeah, like, how much are you telling your bank tellers, Ultra? If you even go to a bank teller, but like, what the hell? Like, that's just like. They didn't, I don't think, highlight enough on the, some of the small town aspects of, like, some of the the, pol, pol, the politics and just, like, social dynamics of the setup, too. But, yeah, you're banked. I was like, yeah, something's going on up there. I think Joe's under federal investigation. But none of his workers seem to know. Oh, it is such a weird... <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. It's one of those things that, like, I understand, like, you and I... We live in cities. We uh, are small town America is just kind of different. I don't know. Like it is. Yeah. It is bizarre how what is going on between like essentially the management chain of this zoo and how it affects the town, but then just the general lack of knowledge, I, whatever you want to call it, as far as like what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, but it's hilarious so and i don't know where to quite frame but 
because the documentary does, I think, a good job in some ways. But I do. This is where my criticism was just like the timing of all this, and they really reemphasize certain parts, and they don't, you know, some other things. But um, the timeline of all these events really gets convoluted. Very difficult to track. And so I think the best way I want to approach this is just, you know, we're going to have an open discussion about this quote-unquote plot to kill Carol. Um, and I think, you know, to do that, we have to introduce a couple characters here and then, like, you know, but first to start is the context. So Jeff Lowe has, I think, two motivations here. So he can't fuck up anymore. He's under investigation, or he's on parole. Two, he is trying to... I think in one way or another try, is trying to open up a new zoo location in this spot that is closer to the Texas-Oklahoma border um, and basically move the operation there because, you know, at one point it is a, well, this is my zoo, but also the Cloud of Joe exotic looms over this and I can't shake that. We mentioned Alan Glover quickly, but that is sort of one of uh, Jeff Lowe's guys, and maybe one of the few people he actually actually shows any loyalty to, but maybe that's because he could use Alan Glover as a vehicle for his other purposes of A, needing to get Joe Exotic completely out of the picture, and we enter stage right is this character, James Garrison, who we have not talked about yet. Oh, boy. James Garrison, best described in this, and I couldn't think of a better thing. Joe Exotic calls him a walking Chucky doll. He's like a walking Chucky doll that ate about 25 other walking Chucky dolls. Mm -hmm. He's the fat suit version of John Gruden. Um, He um, enters in where his kind of first, you know, he's at the beginning of the doc where he's talking about, you know, big cat people are the worst kind of thing. (laughs) Just like big cat people are the most dramatic. Whatever they are. He, he's in there early. But he comes up here. He's the one that funds the, the pizza restaurant. So he has like some... Um, he's like a strip club owner. Um, sort of a big cat guy himself. In my interpretation, I feel like he might... Wouldn't be surprised if, if he had some uh, issues with some like underage sex stuff too. Which is my, that's not in the doc. My own personal read on the guy. Okay. Could, because he's very quick to flip on the on Jeff, everyone, and flip on the feds and become an informant. Also, one of the worst informants in the history of informants, in my opinion. But he's a fucking snitch. Um, Big time. He loops Jeff Lowe into this whole thing of basically this idea of going after Joe Exotic for this quote-unquote plot to kill Carol. Now, you ask me, was Joe actually... And that's really why I want to get into this. Because if you've watched this far, you know kind of a lot of the details. But, like, you know, what we got into Ultra of, like, this really flimsy plot of Joe Exotic, who was, by all intents and purposes, just feuding with Alan Glover, who just does not like him. Then all of a sudden decides to try to hire Alan to kill Carol. And... James Garrison, meanwhile, is also trying to get him to use an undercover fed to hire. Uh, to be like, get Joe to be hire him. Um, it is all just like, it seems a little too convenient. And just based on like the idea that this guy openly talked about how much he hated this woman on social media. And they're like, could just use all of that as evidence. Even though there really was no indication from, I guess, Joe... He's a lot of things. Do I think he's someone that wanted Carol dead? I don't actually know. Oh, I think he wanted him gone. Her gone. I no. I I think that I think he wanted her dead. You do? Okay. Yep, I do. I mean, if you're like jumping ahead a little bit, do I think that he paid Alan Glover to kill her? No, I don't. <laughs> well, like, so no, yeah, right, yeah. 
those are two different things. I, right. I, mean, I, I can't. I couldn't say that he never tried to pay anyone to go kill Carol. But do you think that he kill he paid Alan to kill Carol? No. Yeah. Based off what I see in this documentary and the fact that Alan and him like hate each other, like they do not yeah. like each other, and then all of the other background details of of how like it's. Jeff is just like leaning into this like I want to be an informant he's true he's just trying to cover his ass is what it seems like um and combine that with the fact that like if you're Joe I know that he does a lot of for lack of better word stupid things throughout the course of these seven episodes I don't think he would go to the guy that does not get along with him to go carry out this very illegal act yeah yeah if i were gonna if anyone in this i don't think but like john rinky makes way more sense to me of like guy grant he's got no legs but like of people i think closest in joe and joe exotics inner circle like i feel like he would have gone or like the security guy i thought was a way more plausible guy running joe's security and that guy was just like fuck no i'm not doing this um, and it seems to me or less like they needed to figure out a way to get Joe off the table and, you know, based on either Jeff Lowe's own legal trouble, plus like the tension with Alan, like they basically schemed up something, I think, with the idea of whether it was all, I don't know if it was all mastermind by Jeff and just like they, or but I think they kind of figured out as they went along of also the fact that James Garrison's signaling to Jeff that hey I'm I'm working with the feds right now and like Jeff saw that as an opportunity of like well if James Garrison's involved with the feds let me get involved with the feds and then let me do my own kind of you know scheming mastermind work to have the feds you know not only really focus in on Joe but let's get Joe for something and I'm going to try to make Joe get on something and what can I get Joe to talk about openly unfiltered around me and pretty much anyone was Carol Baskins and man you know they probably jokingly talked about killing Carol Baskins before and was like I think we could frame him for this yeah that that makes way more sense to me than how this was because even like the the biggest tell to me is when and like yeah just just, so one shout out to applebee's is like meeting places because even james garrison's like a because i think in some ways like maybe james garrison was the first one to be like all right i'm gonna try to get joe for this and he failed and jeff's like listen as the pro comment here i'll show you how you frame someone for trying to hire someone to you know for murder but because like james garrison they basically tried to um go to Carol Baskins <laughs> in, like, the worst way possible. And, like, they meet in Applebee's, and Jeff Lowe's like, all right, offer Carol Baskins, like, if she pays us half a million dollars, we'll give her all this dirt on Joe. And they don't answer, and then they're like, all Carol and her husband and Howie do is they send that over to the police department, and that's what gets James Garrison in trouble. Like, all right, well, I mean, we hear you know some shit. What do you know? And so he gets becomes an informant. And then Jeff Lowe's like, all right, well, you know, I didn't try to bribe Carol. That didn't work. All right, you're going to try to hire a hit, have a fed hitman hit, you know, go. That didn't work. And like, well, shit. All right, Alan, this is what you're going to say. This is what I'm going to say. And we're going to pin Joe on this because they think you, Joe, came to you and like tried to hire you. But, like, where Alan Glover goes, like, one point he says, um, apparently I chickened out and didn't go to Florida. <laughs> Just the term, apparently I chickened, you know if you chickened out or not, right? Oh, that that part is just, that was when I was like, oh, yeah, this is just complete. I mean, from the get-go, I was like, this yeah. doesn't seem, this doesn't make any sense. But then, the set, the moment he said that, yeah, just like, this guy's just he's just making it up 
And Alan, he's even like, oh shit, the feds are involved? We can get Joe for the feds? Fuck yeah, I hate that guy. Let's get him. Uh, I mean, I think that's Alan's motivation. I think it's Jeff Lowe's pulling most of the strings. But um, the question I have, and like one of the biggest takeaways, the ultra transactional price point that you were more shocked by, that you could buy a tiger for $3,000. $2,000. Or that... There were hitmen going for a going rate of $10,000. Good question. I guess the cat thing still. Yeah. The cat thing. Definitely that you can buy a tiger. Because I'm going to say this. And our boy, our boy Doc Annell said, he goes, you don't hire a hitman for three. You know, what do you expect? You know, it's kind of a get what you pay for type thing, right? But like, <laughs> Doc Annell just like, yeah. Plus at least thirty k to even think about doing that. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I'm not going to try to kill anyone for <laughs> under a million dollars. I think that's a, a good place for you to start. Man. Yeah. But ten thousand dollars. Don't get me wrong. Insanely low. That is not. Considering what you are doing, that is not a lot of money. No. No. But, no. Uh, I mean. You should not be able to buy a tiger for less than $10,000. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Um, I don't really know where to go with the rest of this, man, to be honest. Like, I mean, so so Joe, basically, everyone turns so on he, him, which, like, convicted. I think is an indicator. That's where we go. He, get, he gets convicted. He loses the trial. This works. This bugging and <laughs> the collusion between, essentially, these three guys um, puts him away. Yeah, and everyone turns on him. Like, and that's the part where I wish they would have spent more time. It's just like, even his own like ex-husband, you know, John turns on. You know, everyone was just like, yeah, he was a shithead. Like, he wasn't a good person. Like, he stopped caring about the zoo. He didn't hold up his end of the bargain with any yeah. business partner he had. The people that work for the zoo for him, he didn't care about them either. He was just constantly trying to get to the next thing, to get to the next thing. Yeah. Try ploy after ploy after ploy to become famous, which, like we've talked about, is what was most important to him. And at the end of the day, um, I gave my opinion. You, it's, you don't really... It sounds like if you don't think that he wanted Carol dead at all, then that means that you also don't think that he... I, I, it's not that I don't think he's she, he wanted her I think he wanted her off the board quote unquote as like but because in earlier stuff he says like oh, we were good for one another in you know one way or another it's like do I think he wanted her dead you know maybe by the point of the lawsuit and shit and like how far that went maybe I just don't know like you know I think it's more or less it seemed like it was just like him freely speaking and being just a loud mouth than like I don't know if he was actually like you know I it's if if it's Carol or me Carol's got to go otherwise like I can't live like I think Jeff Lowe became more of his problem than anything like in the time frame of all this um but like in the same way like Jeff or Joe left himself up to a lot of vulnerabilities Jeff took advantage of that because, I mean, really, I think the part where you get him is like, you know, guy was killing tigers. His business was tigers. They found tiger bones on his body, on his property. And, like, everyone openly talks about how he was killing these tigers. And, like, he says they were sick. A lot of other people said otherwise. Um, And I think that's ultimately, like, kind of what got him and the charges of, like, well, if a person's conceivably, you know, you know, their life is tigers and they're just fine killing these tigers, would they kill a person that's trying to also take away their zoo? Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I could see a jury believing all that. And I don't really blame them because I think he was a shitty person. Um, but, you know, I found interesting is, like, how people talked. Like, a lot of it was, like, openly about, like... Joe killed probably more than five tigers. And so, like, one of Robert Moore's other stats is, like, he sent them to this strange, like, bone museum. So, some of the tigers Joe killed, their bones all went to this, like, weird bone museum in Oklahoma City. So, that's why he only found, like, five of them. But, like, that was one thing he kind of covered up in some ways. There's, like, a tiger bone museum place. But, I mean, 
yeah, it's like, I mean, all I gotta say is, yeah, like, and Joe, like, there's a ton of other stories that come, like, he, he faked, he was pretending to be dying of prostate and bone marrow cancer, and was, like, raising money on Facebook, and, like, showing, like, these photos of him, like, in, like, terrible shape, but it was because he had, like, a bad herpes outbreak, and was, like, dehydrated, like, he's just, he's a fraud in of himself, and, like, all these people are just kind of that way. Who did that? Joe Exotic, like, with Robert Moore, was, like, told him he was, like, dying of cancer and, like, did this, like, GoFundMe fake campaign thing to, like, raise money on Facebook from his fans, and he's like, I'm got cancer. He didn't. Well, um, the only thing I really have left to say is that the real, um, the guy that really drew the short straw on all of this is uh, young Dylan Passage. Joe's sounds like fourth husband that is yeah. now left by his lonesome. It might have been the only gay. Dylan might be actually gay. And that's where I was like, damn, he might be the only one that actually, like, maybe loved Joe. <laughs> Oof, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I cannot, I cannot claim to know I don't either. he is or is not. All I know is he doesn't look... He looks kind of like a, a blend between John and Travis. He's got a type. Joe's got a type. And, yeah. Also, Joe, I'd say this. Joe, for the most part... I mean, maybe not John, but, like... If each husband Joe got, I think he successfully, like, upgraded on the looks end of things. And was, like, playing above his weight in looks. Agreed. Like, Dylan and Travis, both good-looking dudes... Not John. Nah, John's not my. T- <laughs> Didn't he get John has new teeth though, right? Yeah, no, John kind of glowed. Yeah, John still was like, yeah, I mean, but I think John looked like an average dude, but Travis and, and Dylan was like, oh, those are good looking dudes. Yeah, like those do all right. Um, but <laughs> anyway, what was your larger point, Ultra? <laughs> Nothing. I just had to. Yeah. We hadn't talked about Dylan yet. I had to throw the, him out. Two people I felt worse. I, well, John Rinky, I was like, you know, this episode, kind of how it ends. I'm like, John, John Rinky, good dude. Also, major glow up on his part. You know, as he got farther and farther away, he got new teeth, looked like, was losing weight, got a new girlfriend, got out of the Tiger Game business. Um, I did really feel bad for Eric Crowley, though. The... Like, Dak Shepard, burnout-looking dude. Yeah. Who, in the scene, like, that was probably the second type of scene where he is literally, like, if he's drunk, he is clearly just, like, an altered state. He's, and they're, like, sh- yeah. yeah he, they're showing him in all these scenes. And, like, he's, like, clearly battling, like, some sort of depression and is upset. And I was, like, fuck, that is awful. Like, that is just, like, difficult to see a human going through that. Who, like... In my opinion, like, comes off at least that he genuinely, like, had a relationship and cared for, like, all these tigers and, like, was going through trauma of himself. I think him, I I think a lot of these people have gone, like, suffered trauma from this experience, but, like, him and, like, even the stuff with Josh Dial, like, the PTSD of, like, seeing Travis's death. I mean, like, these people, like, went through some shit for a guy who was just, like, a flamboyant asshole to everyone. Like, had no real loyalties other than to himself. And that part's, like, really sad. And just, like, is kind of a one of those larger themes of just, like, this guy wanted to be famous in any way he could and, like, hurt a lot of people along the way. And then, like, in the end, kind of got, in some ways, what he deserved. It just tough last three episodes for Joe. Yeah, very tough. I will but, say. Oh, go, sorry, still, Ultra. Just, I was just gonna say, still, you know, I I don't regret watching it twice. No. It is still a great documentary and ridiculous, and um, I'm not sure, you know, when we all look back at the coronavirus quarantine which I'm sure most people are going to try to purge from their brain. If there's one thing that sticks around, this might be the one thing. 
Damn, Channing and Tatum that, and John. This <laughs> fucking photo. Oh my god. <laughs> I knew you would like that. I had to send it. That was good, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He looks John looks like Channing, what Channing Tatum should have looked like, and this is the end. When he's Danny McBride's gimp. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Which if you haven't watched, watch that movie. I watched it like last Sunday. Or two sun- two weekends ago now, great quarantine movie. Oh, it is a good one. It's so it's so the, I mean I still say like the Danny McBride entrance scene of that is like one of the funniest things ever. When he comes in and eats all the food. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, right. And the jerk off scene with him and like <laughs> James Franco. <laughs> so good. Oh my. Okay. Um, the last shout out in the place I want to end this on though is that. The quintessential best part, I don't understand why. There's two things. There's one Alan Glover in the bathtub interview scene, which is really bizarre also. But also, the... uh, Oh, my Roomba's going off. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Well, at least... That's where you want to end things, on the Roomba going off. Um, My favorite part, though, is James Garrison... He wasn't in it a lot. He came in the back end of it. But we can't not talk about before we end this uh, series on just the shot of him riding around on that fucking jet ski. To rocking out to Eye of the Tiger is the music over it. It's iconic, dude. So it's good. unbelievable. I love it. Um, he, um, I actually like... Most of his screen time is pretty enjoyable. I he's he's funny. Yeah, he's funny maybe, but also <sighs> that dude's probably got a quite a list of illegal things he's been involved in. Oh uh, no, very few people were quote unquote good people. Um, we're yeah. not watching this because Saf is like one of the better people. <laughs> he's oh. probably the better people. Yes, <laughs> and, and John Rinky. The people that don't have any limbs. They've uh, lost limbs. <laughs> they have some limbs. They've lost others. All right, man. Well, man. I think that does it. I don't have much more. I'm just kind of tired of talking about Tiger King. <laughs> well. Uh, I hope everyone is wasn't tired of listening to about it. And, you know, whatever pace you listen to all these, we appreciate it. Um... As a lesson from this, though, we are going to be doing some reviews of The Last Dance. Sort of held off after the first two episodes just because, I don't know, I didn't have many thoughts. Ultra didn't either. I mean, just, it was a lot of stuff we, at least me growing up in Chicago, I knew about it in one way or another and didn't have a ton of reaction. I think we'll talk about some of it, but... Um, you know, plan to do an episode next week after the episodes three and four of The Last Dance come out this Sunday. So maybe we just do a whole big kind of first four episode recap, talk about everything, our takeaways of that. But as we continue forward as a pod series, as a pod series reviewing documentaries, um, you know, that's where we're at right now. We hope everyone's staying safe and healthy still, but, uh, Ultra, last thoughts before we roll out on Tiger King? Uh, I just have a shout-out for you for finding this really early on and and uh, telling all of your friends to watch it because it was it was certainly worth the yeah. time. And I have to just shout-out my girlfriend who made me watch it, and I was dead wrong about it being good or anything, and it worked. It's good. And, and still, I... All right. Talking about it for... Yeah. Where does it where does it rank though for you compared to like Jinx, compared to making a murderer? Um any, you know, kind of of this this era of docu you know, where does it compare for you? Um one hundred percent uh not going to outdo the jinx because the jinx Same. If, if you haven't seen it is it's the goat of all it's the best of the best just for how like just for the last episode alone is uh, mm-hmm. you're gonna have a tough time 
outdoing that one for me. Yeah, same. But it's um, from entertainment value, it's up there. It's great. Yeah. It's it's really well done. Making a murderer also was a little guilty of I think being a little too long, but was this yeah. was just so much more captivating than making yeah. a murderer was. Although making murderer and Brendan Dassey and and impersonating Brendan Dassey still to this day is uh, yeah, it's so funny thing to do, but. Um, no, this is this is as far as Netflix I, documentaries that they've done. This is up there. It's probably my favorite. This might be the best. Yeah, this I think outdoes uh, making a murderer for sure. I would say event the Jinx for me, and then um, I mean the OJ doc on ESPN. I think of like in a sort of series format are probably the two one and two for me. Um. But of Netflix stuff, I, I it's tough to this. I think whatever which way was <laughs> had the benefit of some of those other series before it, and just the immense amount of access these directors had and everything. I mean, it was if anything, it had the benefit of of happening in a time once you know. Netflix was a thing in these docuseries and like whether or not the filmmakers thought this would be a Netflix documentary series or not like it was made in a very much a the format of it and whatnot was perfect for streaming um, I think the only thing else I can and these guys did also did one of the fire fest documentaries but like it's kind of that same the production company at least did that too so it's like I think one big takeaway is like there is a we're starting to get a formula for some of this that is um, hopefully it doesn't like you know make things too cheesy or corny but it's definitely you know these type of stories if they're out there you're going to see them kind of packaged in this way I think going forward right um, yeah they, they just can get, keep getting better dude like yeah. it's it's uh this might be was, this is a perfect storm too, though but, but like the the amount that is now being invested into documentaries is is just so much more than what it used to be because so yeah. many people just love it that right. i just think that you're going to continue to see them getting better better and better and hopefully uh tiger king is just the start of ridiculous document documentaries that we'll be talking about exactly well I guess that's it for another episode of The Point Forward. We appreciate all the listeners. Make sure to subscribe, download, rate, review, share it, spread it. Uh, all the you know, we're hopefully going to be talking about basketball at some point here. Um, we will film the last names, but until then, everyone, um, thanks for being on this Tiger King ride with us. We'll Let talk to you next week. Let them roam their land Then stand back and marvel What a beautiful cat Cause I saw a tiger Now I understand I saw a tiger Tiger summoned I can give them a home Safe and warm but the law wants to ban me Can you tell me who's wrong? Every time they move Every time they breathe I can feel their power I can feel their peace Cause I saw time